I'd love to see children's nutrition taken more seriously just by everybody, the NHS, the government, um, just the approach. I would love to see um, cooking lessons come back to schools. I'd love to see this as a priority and for people not to pander to the you know, the food manufacturers pockets but to <laughs> to uh, uh, to to better nutrition globally you know and um, you know I would love to do more on that level but you know I'm working with the real food campaign um, who are amazing group of doctors and influencers and farmers and all sorts of people who are great I've got a meeting with them tonight so we're trying to do things with that so I feel that there are um, you know there are ways and I think we all need to work together. Hello and welcome to the Natural Healthcare Network podcast. My name is Deb McLeod and I really appreciate your sitting in and listening in. Today I am thrilled to say I have Lucinda Miller joining me. She is a naturopath, an iridologist, an herbalist and a functional medicine practitioner. She's also an author, a mom, and runs a very successful business. It was an absolute delight to have Lucinda join me today, and I hope you enjoy listening to her share her story and insights as much as I did. Thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. It is such an honor to have you on my show. Oh, Deb, it's so kind of you to invite me along. It's just really super to meet you at last. And well, thank you. We're here today to talk about you, about how you got into to becoming a naturopath. We're here to talk about Nature Doc, which is amazing. And you've been doing this for almost 20 years or over 20 years now. So I, is that about right? So I started training when I was 25 and I'm turned 50 this year. So it was 25 years ago. But it took because I was working full time, it took me a while to qualify. Um, and I became a mum almost straight after qualifying. So it was it was a little delay in getting going as such. But um, I was quite um, keen to get going. So I uh, whenever my baby was in bed um, I, or sleeping or whatever, I used to try and squeeze in a client or do a report or something. <laughs> my gosh, that is amazing. So if we if we I like to. When I was studying at uh, CNM, I always wanted things to be contextualized. And I think that's probably why I get have got more into people's stories and understanding what it is that led them to where they are. And I know I've read this on your, your website uh, as well, but do you mind going into a little bit of your history on why you decided to become a naturopath? Yes, right. Well, um, I w- always had sort of made that link between food and health. My mum was type 1 diabetic, and so she always had to control how much sugar she ate. I had a very good friend, um, actually a couple of friends, who had sisters or aunts or who had chronic fatigue. And I remember just seeing different bread being baked in their houses. Um, And my aunt has terrible asthma and eczema, and taking out dairy products revolutionised her life really just changed her health and so I guess I'd always been very interested in that connection and then I had sort of got through school okay I started falling asleep a bit during some of my lessons but not too badly but university got really really bad Um, I literally fell asleep during every single lecture 
I mean, I think oh, I wow. lasted five to 10 minutes at the beginning and woke up five minutes towards the end every single time. And it sounds really strange now thinking back on it, but I didn't question it too much. I just assumed I wasn't that interested in my degree, um, but I have to spend so much time in the library catching up every single time. And this was before all these lectures were recorded and so forth. So I had to do this extra reading just to sort of catch up all the time. So it was pretty exhausting. And then I left university and I did a bit of traveling and I did pick up a nasty um, amoeba called Giardia. Um, and that's, um, it was treated at the time, but now I know it wasn't treated as effectively as it should have done. And so it was sitting in me for quite a while and that really affected my gut and made me feel even worse. So when I got back, I started, I got a really good job in the city and um, I was working very long hours. I had to get up extremely early in the morning. Basically, I sort of coped. I got used to that sort of coping mechanism. So I'd sleep on the tube both ways to work and back. I'd sleep in the loo twice a day. Um, I mean, it's crazy, but I sort of just coped. And, you know, from the outside, I looked fairly vibrant. And, you know, um, I still carried on with the social life and things like that. So a lot of people would say, well, you know, if you went to bed really early and so forth you'd probably be all right and I just didn't I guess I'm too too much of a fun seeking person to cut back on everything yeah um but I didn't love my job um I really didn't love my job but it was a good job and it was one that my parents were really pleased I had and it was well paid and I felt it was a very good tick in the box you know I'd been getting a very good education and I felt it was something I should be doing um but I really felt it wasn't you know, in my heart. And I mm -hmm. couldn't imagine myself doing it later on in life. And really interestingly, um, my mum, she was always a full-time mum. And sadly, my father um, left her when I was 14. And I just remember the devastation of her suddenly having to pick up a career at, you know, 14 years down the line from being a full-time mum. And that was really tough for her. And so yeah. I guess I'd always had in my heart that I wanted to do something independently, something that I could earn money, whatever my situation was. And I really did want to get married and have kids and so forth. But I also realised that um, I, you know, I needed to be a little bit independent too. So I guess I was always thinking, what could I do that gives me independence and also gives me the things that really interest me. And one of the places that we went traveling to in Indonesia was this gorgeous sort of hippie type place. Um, we stayed there for a few days and there were just tons and tons of nutrition books um, really? and biology books and anatomy books. And I just sat there just absolutely absorbed by that. And I and it's something that just stayed with me. And during my time when I was working the bank, I'd often sort of think about this. But remember, this was when yellow pages existed. We didn't have the Internet. <laughs> yeah. It was really, yes. really hard to do your research. Yeah. Your research was really only limited to the people you knew. And my network of friends were certainly not interested in nutrition at all. They were interested in being in the pub. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it just wasn't good. You know, it was uh, and my parents and you know, friends of my parents, it just wasn't their world at all. Mm. Um, so anyway, I'd sort of thought about it. I'd thought about massage and reflexology, but it didn't seem quite right. I'm a bit clumsy and I was just very worried about touching someone <laughs> and getting going really wrong. Yeah. Um, and anyway, so whilst I was at work, um, I had this particularly long weekend 
where we went um, on a sort of course and it was in a hotel and we ate lots of very rich food. We had quite a lot of alcohol and it was very intense. It was derivatives, which are really intense, really complex, sort of mathematical, yeah. you know, it was really, really, really full on. And we missed bank holiday, so it included bank holiday. So I got into work on the Tuesday absolutely shattered. And I just burst into tears. And I said, I don't think I can carry on like this. I feel shocking all the time. And my boss was lovely. And he said, right, go and see the doctor. And so he sent me off to the GP. And they took blood and they said, you're perfectly fine. Yeah. And I thought, okay, well, I might be perfectly fine from the medical perspective, but I feel absolutely rubbish. And I really don't want to give up my life either. Anyway, there was a lovely girl on the desk who godmother had had cancer I think and had done a lot of research into naturopaths and or you know alternative medicine it was called then um and said well why don't you go and see this lady in Chiswick she's amazing and again I didn't question who she was or what she did I just said yeah I'm going (laughs) (laughs) so I remember going there on a really rainy day and I got really lost and she was so kind she let me in and you know and fed me and talked to me and was just just absolutely gorgeous like sort of fairy godmother Mm. and she said right well you know I think that um your tummy is really out of sync and I don't think you're tolerating this and I don't think you're tolerating that and I think you should balance your blood sugars and so forth so I thought okay well I'll give it a go and um anyway within 10 days of doing that what she told me to do I felt absolutely amazing I mean literally just bigging out of bed at half past five in the morning getting to work on time going to parties just doing a really what a 25 year old likes to do just a bit of everything and I absolutely thought, this is it. This is fantastic. And it was it just pieced together all those messages that had been sent to me over the years of what I really, you know, what was really true to me. And I could just see it in front of me. I could see independence. I could see he- helping people. I could see this diet and new health link. I, it all came together. And um, so at my follow-up, so funny, I just said, I'm absolutely fine, but tell me where I learned this. <laughs> and again you know because and so she gave me two numbers and one didn't answer and the other did um so I just joined the holistic health college in London which is tiny and still is pretty tiny but lovely lovely people and it became my hobby and basically at the weekends and in the evenings I was studying um and just really got a buzz out of it and um just met some amazing people and just thought this is it and so I started I was very lucky I was able to start seeing people relatively soon so I'd see one or two people in the evening a week um and just loved it and so I said because I had a full-time job I had a mortgage I had all these you know responsibilities um I couldn't just give it all up and actually it the course wasn't set up like that anyway. It was a weekend a month, you know, it wasn't kind of like during the week anyway. And so, so I, you know, so I just did it really slowly and just loved it. And then um, it, I had this extraordinary time where I'd had a couple of years of pretty difficult ups and downs personally. And I thought, what am I going to do? I really want to leave the city and I really want to set this up full time. Um, but I've got to work out how to do it financially. So I took myself away to this hotel for a couple of nights. I think it was one night, it was one night. And I just literally just put my brain on paper and tried to work out life strategy. And at the point I said, okay, I want to be single. (laughs) 
I'm going to sell my house and buy a flat, be, you know, get rid of the mortgage, um, have a little room there that I can practice from so I'm not paying rent anywhere. I'd sort of work, I'd worked it all out. And within literally six weeks, I'd done that. I just, wow. I don't know what, it just happened. You know, I sold the house really easily. And, and it was just, suddenly I had no flatmates and I had this little flat and it was great. <laughs> and then hilarious, within 10 days, of this happening I got together with my husband who I'd known uh-huh. for a very 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 long time and he was actually working and living in India of all places oh my goodness so it couldn't have been more um you know sort of topsy-turvy and um and anyway within a few months I also was ha- um, ha- we were having our first baby so it all happened very very quickly and um so yes I headed out to India to spend some time with him and again you know eventually we decided it would be a good idea to come back home have the baby at home um etc so that's what we did and we decided to relocate back here um and um and then as I said I just slowly started seeing people when he was asleep and it you know, it just sort of worked. And, um, you know, and then, yeah, I just muddled along and I did it for ages. I was lucky my baby slept quite well. And I just muddled along for ages. And we had ended up having three babies. Um, And so, yes, I really only did, I found some childcare and I did a day and a half, two days a week. And because I wanted to be a really good mum as well, I didn't want them to miss out on me. And I just thought, if I can just keep my hand in whilst they're little, I can get busier later um, and at least I'm just getting my little bit of out, you know, because actually I found it really relaxing seeing clients. So it, it, it's tiring. It was also just something different from being a mum and it was great. So um, I did that and it was so funny because so we had a bit of a gap between our kids. So seven years between the first and the last. So I was doing this mummy thing for quite a long time, 11 years or something. And I remember saying, um, so when my little one gets to school, I want to get a bit busier. And he started at school on the Thursday. And on the Saturday, I've been asked to talk at an autism conference. And obviously, we'll go into more into my yeah. sort of you know speciality um, later. And um, that was on the Saturday. Um, and I got 72 bookings that weekend. Oh, my gosh. And... Most nutritional therapists and naturopaths see probably five, eight people a week, and that's a pretty busy week. And this was, I mean, it just went crazy. I literally didn't breathe for six months. I saw, and they were Gosh. all very complex, lots of tests be done, et cetera, et cetera. And um, it just took off from there. So I just ended up having this very long waiting list, et cetera. How did you manage that? I mean, 72, that's incredible. And I, I think I want to, I mean, you are extraordinary in the way that you say I think I'll do this and then it's just like it happens talk about manifesting boom you are really on on in sync with that I it's really interesting so I went to New York with a friend in my mid-20s and um, we had this brilliant weekend and on the Sunday we had lunch with her godfather who was one of those first sort of executive coach mentor people and of course, it was all much, you know, much more ahead of the times in New York than they were in, in London. And he said, so tell me about you, what you want to do. And I and he said, well, if you want to reach that goal, you've always got to look ahead. You've always got to look at your future self. Imagine where you want to be. Imagine what you want to do. And I've just hold on, held on to that ever since. And I know lots of people now 
sort of say that that's what to do. And it really does. If you, it hasn't happened exactly as I imagined, but it has pretty much, you know, it's amazing what has happened. And I think, I think it's a really, really strong way of, of working out what you want to do, because if it sits there and you're that passionate and it's, and that future self that you imagine where you want to be sticks and sticks and sticks and sticks, then you do get there eventually. There, of course, it's a different way of getting there usually, but you do get there. And I think it, it's really happened a lot. I, I, I mean, I really pinch myself sometimes. <laughs> there was a, another book I read, again, it was probably my early 20s. It's one of the first things that really drew me into this was The Celestine Prophecy. I don't know yeah. if you... And oh, again, yeah. it was all about that and, you know, how you can set off vibes yeah. to get what you, you would like in, out of life. And um, I was very lucky my mother-in-law sadly passed away now but she was very inspiring Qigong teacher and cancer survivor and she was a very into positive thinking and so forth so we had that very much in common so she was there in the background you know possibly when I was doubting myself you know keeping me going and keeping that future vision going so I've been very lucky I've had people along the way helping me yeah it sounds like it that's lovely I my my mom was like that she was very much into that mindset and and also a a sage to talk to and it's wonderful to have that support when you can to to keep you going so I'm duly impressed how you have gone from working in the city to your training and now if you look at nature doc and what you have accomplished with it how can we move on and just talk a bit because I do want to talk more about in depth about the work that you're doing with women in, in uh, children's health, which is so important. But your business, Nature Doc, is not small beans. Uh, obviously, if you had 72 clients that approached you immediately after a talk, is that how it, it was Nature Doc what started in the very beginning? Did you have that vision of what you wanted it to be or an idea of what it was going to be like back then? Yeah, I think it, it, I mean, it caught me very much by surprise, to be honest, at that point. I thought I was, I'd sort of planned to get fit and have a bit of time and see some girlfriends and things like that for the first year of actually having kids at school. Um, but, you know, it didn't happen that way. Um, I, I very much worked on my own for a very long time. And it was really when it was just getting a little bit too much. And I hate letting people down. And you could see some of the situations that these people were in. You just I, I've got to see you now. Or I've got to see you soon. And I can't. I can't see you for six months, eight months, nine months. You know, this is silly. And I felt I started to feel this is wrong. And I need to get some other people on board to help me and to be part of the team and to work together and to take the pressure off. I mean, some days you just, I was just so emotional I mean I'd be in floods of tears by the end of the day thinking I can't believe how sick these kids are I cannot believe there is zero help being offered by the medics and this is what was really getting to me you know it was just like we need more people but um there was a moment again at another conference that I went to where you know up until that point there were probably six or seven of us all specializing in children's health especially the neurodevelopmental side of things and for many for so many reasons they'd all individually either retired or moved abroad 
And I got there and I suddenly thought, it's only me. I'm the only one left. And this can't be right. You know, there are thousands of children that need help and it can't just be under me. And I felt that real sort of weight on my shoulders of how are we going to do it? So, and then my husband and I, who he's, he's again, an amazing sage and helpful to me and a great support. And, and um, you know, he's a very clever guy and he, he can see, you know, we're both good at thinking other books in very different ways, but it works very well together. He says, I think we need to build this into a proper business. And I said, well, it is a proper business. He goes, no, it's just you. And I go, okay. <laughs> uh, he goes, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, um, you know, I think I need to build a team. And I really want to write a book to share this with as many people as possible. And um, he goes, well, if you're going to write a book, you better build the team first. Um, and actually, um, we, we don't know her terribly well, but Amelia Frears lives us near, near us. And she said, oh, my God, she was so overwhelmed by requests for consultations when she wrote her first book. And she just said, please get the team in place first, because, of course, they weren't prepared for it. And, they, right. and, and of course, she then wasn't able to see as many people as she wanted to, to get the team in place first. Went, OK, we'll get the team in place first. But where do we find them? <laughs> 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 that was the tricky thing. And I was really lucky. So um, I knew of Jo Saunders um, and she um, is absolutely lovely and had written uh, you know, this lovely recipe blog with children's health. And she's very passionate about children's health. So she came on board and then a really lovely um, girl who I'd actually, you know, knew a little bit socially from a years before. She had been living abroad and I knew that she was seeing kids with autism and ADHD and developmental issues, but from Asia. And she messaged me saying, hey, I'm coming back to the UK. Uh, do you know of any clinics looking for someone like me? And I said, <laughs> me now. No. <laughs> um, so actually, there were three of us quite quickly, which was lovely and just great to work as a team, to be honest. Just really gorgeous to, you know, just be able to share ideas and thoughts on on these kids and seeing what we could do. And then it's just grown from there. And there are now 15 of us. So we're dotted around the country. And there's been so much demand. I mean, we there are a few who mainly see women and some of us who do both and some of us who just do paediatrics. But basically, we're covering that. We do see the occasional man, uh, but <laughs> they sneak in, but, which is lovely to see. But generally, we see women and children. And my passion is neuropsychiatric and neurodevelopmental side of children's health um, and autoimmunity. Those are the sort of three areas that really... Uh, I just, you know, I read everything and I research everything and I do my best um, to know as much as possible because, yeah, those kids get so little help. Yeah. And it really, yeah. really gets to me. Yeah. I was speaking with um, actually Yona Bramati. Is, oh, she's uh, lovely. Oh, she, is, she is. She was so insightful talking about the work that she does with visceral osteopathy mm. and her own story on how she got to where she is and the research that she does. She said that she said the same thing about you, you know, equally lovely, which is so, so wonderful. So you've got 15 of you working together. Yes. And what was it that really interested you? Was it just the fact, and it's not a just, was it just the fact that, that the children are not being helped children who have ADHD or neuro health problems? Is it that or was there something else that made you think that I've just got to help them? I've got to, I have such a passion to help them. Was there some other 
reason? I think it's because there's very little medical help. So, you know, more recently, we've seen a lot of long COVIDs. Um, We've seen kids, you know, they get diagnosed with idiopathic juvenile arthritis, which means they've got arthritis, but they don't know why. And it's that kind of thing that really gets me. You all come back in six months and see whether things may have changed with actually no intervention. And I see that, yeah, that so many times that people are put on these waiting lists hoping for some sort of support and they get a diagnosis, but they don't necessarily get treatment, if you see what I mean, or support. With autism, generally, they're given maybe a short course of speech and language therapy, which may be one a month for six months or nine months, but not very much more than that. And then it's really working out what education they need once they get to four. So neither of those, to me, are support for autism. They're just sort of general sort of, um, I guess, nannying you know it's sort of you know babysitting so see what we can do for them rather than and um, just waiting to see how they might develop whereas if you go onto pubmed and type in autism the research there is in spades and you know from everything from omega-3 deficiencies to zinc to the microbiome to gluten i mean it's all there but it just is not there in the, the pediatrics And, you know, the parents are keen to do the best they can for their child. And I fundamentally believe that it's not not about cure. It's about giving these kids the best quality of life they can. I mean, we're seeing kids that literally sleep for maybe an hour, an hour and a half every night. So they go to bed at 11, 11, 30, and they're wide awake at one. And imagine trying to do a day's work after that or whatever, you know, for the parents. They're just team tagging all the time. It's, you know, it kids poo smearing, uh, breaking things, uh, violent outbursts. Just it's just um, and, and self-harming and biting themselves. And it's just really, really tough. And it's just not anything's being done because there are no medications for autism. So they. That's why they don't do anything, because there's no medication for it. ADHD is a different story. There is Ritalin and so forth. But we work very much as an integrative approach to that. So people have the choice whether they want their child to go on it. Sometimes they don't suit it. So they've come to see us for an alternative because the Ritalin has given them some side effects. Sometimes we work alongside that to ameliorate the side effects. Um, you know, we, we, we very much work in an integrated way. And we're very lucky that we work with quite a few paediatricians, neurologists and psychiatrists now who understand that we do use evidence base before doing anything. Um, and um, yeah, we, you know, it's just been a slow, I guess they've heard our names over and over again. And so, so oh, well, I think we'll look this person up and see what they're doing, you know, and that, you know, yeah. they've actually been given quite sensible recommendations and, and so forth. So um, yeah. Um, and yeah, and then we've got um, we see a lot of kids with um, autoimmune neuropsychiatric problems like pandas and pans. Um, and again, only ten percent of GPs know about this apparently at the moment in the UK. So you know it's potluck whether a child's going to get some support. Um, and there are f- a very limited number of private pediatricians who will be able to diagnose and help. 
but it's still very, very limited in what they can do. And at the end of the day, they're not looking at why the child's gone into autoimmune mode in the first place. And I think that's the difference is you can treat with antibiotics, but the next time they get exposed to strep or or the virus or whatever that um, that is triggering their, their flares, um, they're going to flare again. And so it's uh, what we're trying to do is to look at that underlying autoimmune pathways and seeing if we can get the leaky gut sorted, if we can get, you know, sort out what are the triggers for the autoimmunity and try and, you know, what all nutritional therapists do for general autoimmunity, but, but sort of bringing it down to the child's level. Do you find it's more complicated from the, in working with children with, these health issues rather than adults is it or is it simpler i think it's simpler in some ways and i tell you why it's because the parents that come to see us are absolutely driven to get their child right because that love of a parent is so extreme and to see a child suffering every day they will do anything to get them right and if the medics aren't helping they'll seek other help um and um so if you say to them these tests have come back and they can't eat gluten or dairy they get right do it straight away they need to take seven supplements yeah easy oh wow. we'll find a way and you obviously help them some some find it harder than others um but you most of them are yay 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 whereas actually if you see an adult oh i'm a bit too tired oh i can't afford it oh you know i'm not worth it you know there's a lot of that i'm not worth it thing going on um, or they feel a bit better for a little while, so they sort of go off off course. But these parents are like, right, I'm on a mission. I'm going to get this child right. And so that is great. And, you know, we found ways of, you know, there are many supplements that don't necessarily taste too much or ways to get it in, or some can swallow capsules depending on their age. So we work with the family, and that's the really key part of this, is helping to deliver what they need to do in a really easy way. So that's where my cookbook comes in um, and our blog, you know, recipes, we do a weekly recipe. Um, I spend, I, I, I need to spend a lot of time this weekend creating some more. We've almost run out. <laughs> you are prolific at the things that you produce. I mean, your book is fantastic. I love, we have to mention your book, The Good Stuff, because it's a, a fantastic way of just, as you say, sneaking in those nutrients and you make it interesting. And I like the way that you say, you know, just it starts slowly and add one thing. So the child that may have a, a neuropsychiatric issue, was that? Yeah, condition. Right? It is a yeah, condition, condition, but sometimes yeah. they're unnamed and sometimes they're named. Um. I mean, I like that you did that. I think it's really clever that you've made it simple for people to integrate this. And you seem to just have got your head around what the what the children need. And I think that's amazing, actually. It probably worked just as well with adults. <laughs> well, it was really interesting. Last week, I saw two women. Um, and they, you know, they brought their children. But basically, they're both restaurant owners. Um, and very healthy, amazing food as well. So obviously no names. Um, but neither of them had made the connection with some of the foods they may have removed or not given their children to replace them with others. So these were very, very intelligent, you know, women, educated, 
you know, this, but they still hadn't made that connection. And not many people realise that coconut yoghurt has no calcium in it, for instance. You know what I mean? It's things like that, people, or protein. They yep. just don't get that. So there's a lot of things where people just haven't made that connection. They've, and the number of times they say, so what does your child eat? Oh, well, we're gluten-free, dairy-free, we don't eat meat, and we don't eat this. And you think, what do you eat? And I always say, what do you eat? And and then it's suddenly very narrow. I had a gluten-free family a couple of weeks ago, lovely, lovely family, gone gluten-free. They have rice every single night. <laughs> Did the test, arsenic through the roof. Uh oh, yeah. you know, and um, you're just thinking, you know, people need this variety and eat these. As I said, I mean, we see such a broad range of families, you know, low income, super rich. I mean, we see the full full spectrum, educated, not so educated, um, and it's just fascinating the mistakes that are made because people aren't taught these things, and it's school food. I mean, yeah. when did you in a school menu ever see an oily fish? No. You can't do nuts because of allergies. Yeah. There are no seeds. You know, there are all these things missing from these children's diets. Never seen kale. See broccoli sometimes. But you know what I mean? There's, there's, there's so many nutrients missing. They tend to focus in on these very, very narrow numbers of food. And so I guess my mission is to educate people as parents as much as possible and that's where my new book which is coming out next year called I can't believe it's baby food (laughs) (laughs) Um, which is quite a great title um it's is basically a weaning bible to help um mums and parents feed their babies right from the start so hopefully for them even whether it's in their conscious or self-conscious that they're getting these nutrients in as part of their child's normal diet so to hope circumnavigate circumvent any of these big conditions happening because it really worries me the numbers of ill children we've got leukemia going up by one percent every year um autism's gone from one in ten thousand to one in 15 boys it's crazy i was looking at the numbers last week when i spoke with uh, dr yona and it it was staggering to see mm. how the levels of autism are just get growing it's really mm. worrying really it really is worrying. worrying and so as i said i mean it's not all diet of course it's not all diet and you know there are many many factors that drive this but the things that we see all the time so we do a lot of um functional medicine tests and that i would say the key things that come up almost every time and i'm not saying every time because it it isn't because kids surprise you incredibly either no growth or very very low growth of lactobacillus in the gut and that's very important for growing as for building acetylcholine and acetylcholine is important for your working memory um, for your learning for your emotional regulation it helps regulate your autonomic nervous system vagus nerve you know the full Monty. Also, that and bifidobacterium often know, um, and they help you make GABA, and GABA keeps you cool, calm, and relaxed. How much anxiety is out there in the world, and how many kids are given so many antibiotics for ear infections and blah blah blah. blah. So there's a lot of dyslexia and ADD, and that's very much a working memory issue. And again, they almost always have low lactobacillus. The other thing that comes up again from the acetylcholine side of things is tends to be very low phospholipids in the metabolomics one test. Um, And again, you know, how many kids eat eggs all the time? 
peanut butter, sunflower seeds, liver. They just don't anymore. You know, it's sort of butter. You know, everything's got a margarine. And of course, you know, these phospholipids are so important, such important brain fats and brain food. So again, that tends to be extremely low. We find magnesium's low in almost all the kids. And what's interesting is we see that that affects the carbohydrate uptake to the cell via pyruvic acid. And of course, these kids are often craving, craving, craving carbohydrate all the time. And guess what? It's because they are lacking the magnesium. And because they haven't got the magnesium, the carbohydrate's not in the cell. And the cell says, I'm starving. I need more carbohydrate. But it can't get in because there's no magnesium. So that's a really interesting one we see all the time. Um, and I mean, we don't test this so much because it's so obvious when we see the kids, but omega-3 or, you know, just because, again, oily fish is not part of a typical child's diet. When did you ever find oily fish in a baby pouch? <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, I've seen like salmon maybe once, but that's about it. You know, it just doesn't happen. So you know, these kids aren't getting it. Um, and, you know, fish fingers, sometimes they have a bit of omega-3 in it, but not many. You know, you have to really seek that out. Um, and that's where I'm really passionate is to get as many parents educated as possible so that we can stop these things from happening. I mean, as I said, we can't stop everything from happening, but we can help a bit. And if that outcome's better, I mean, I just think giving kids the best quality of life and the best access to education and, you know, just even if they're able to say just a few basic sentences to keep them safe, that's great, you know. Or parents just want to say, I love you, mummy. You know, that's what they want. You know, and if they can't even say that, that's pretty tough for the parents and never get that feedback. Mm. Yeah, it's heartbreaking for them. It really is to think that they don't have that normal communication that we all, that majority mm. of us have an opportunity to, to convey to one another. I'm really intrigued how you have built a relationship in, with medical doctors, with pediatricians. How did you do that? What was it? I know you said that they'd heard your name over and over again and they would maybe check you out and say, right, she's actually not saying anything that we disagree with and she's research-based. But you must, was there something else that you did to start forming relationships? Because I know on your website, you've got various doctors that you work with. So how did you, how did you start that process with them? They've all approached me, luckily. Um, <laughs> so I haven't done much. I think what it was was, for instance, with the pandas, with Dr. Ubi, when he came on the scene, I just heard he was around and I was so excited there was actually some medical care for these kids because the number of time I had to say, look, I think we've reached the end of what I can do, but go to the States and you'll get help there. And those that could afford it did that and, you know, got some really good results. And so I was very much tapping into what they were doing at Stanford and all of that. So I sort of was on, knew what the developments were, but it was actually finding someone who was doing it here. And so I said, well, you know, and you've built that relationship with someone over two or three years. And so you got to know them quite well. So I said, look, why don't we just try? Why don't you go and see him and see what, what he says? I have no idea what he's like, but 
let's give it a go. And they all came back saying, oh, my gosh, at last we've got someone who is actually taking this seriously. And he's going to organise medical, he's going to organise blood tests with the GP and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. I thought, oh, wow. So I just, you know, kept on sending people to him. And then one day I got this email from him. I thought, oh, no, what have I done now? (laughs) (laughs) And he said, would I join, you know, the steering committee of the hospital and, you know, do lots of cross referrals. And so that's what we've been doing. It's been great. So I think what it is, is over the years is, just always doing a really good job. And I think that we spend a lot of time, probably far too much time, and most people would say we're nuts, but we spend a lot of time on our health plans, very personalised. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I um, saw on Tuesday, for instance, I saw a young boy. We actually went through results. I'd seen him once before. He has 27 anaphylactic allergies. He's fairly autistic. He's also got aphrids, which means that he has a total fear of food. So his current diet is rice cakes and salmon and some cherry vanilla neocate. And that's it. And anyway, so we have, I've worked very hard on establishing what he's not allergic to, but probably what he won't eat or pick up, but what he won't eat. And one of those things is carrot. So we're going to put, we're going to start with one ml of carrot juice in his neocate. And we're going to build it up from there. I mean, we're talking super, super slowly. But if we can get some of those extra foods and tastes and smells just very faint into his milk that he trusts and likes, and I hope we'll get there. I don't know yet. Wouldn't that be great? And then we've, we're working on his oral and gut tolerance with some supplements which don't taste too much so I'm hoping to get that in I'm still I've no idea how far we'll get with this one but you know we've got the evidence we've done the test we've done the metabolomics we've done the stool we found out what's going on we know what he needs um and so we're now making a plan and that's really exciting and then um I saw a seven-year-old who probably looks about three who's very neurologically challenged had two horrendous operations at Great Ormond Street which basically put her back a long way neurodevelopmentally they were they probably they were helpful but they weren't helpful if you sort of mean um so but yeah again um you know helping her she's partly tube fed um and we're just um working on again you know she'd been given some advice from someone but we felt there was no omega-3 in there there were the there was enough iodine. There were, you know, I was just looking to see what the missing piece of the puzzle. And again, we're going to do some tests and see if there's anything essential that she needs. Um, yeah, I saw a little lovely 14-year-old who's just not growing. Um, he's just, you know, he looks 10 or 11 and he's 14. So we're trying to sort of work out why. Um, and, you know, it's just fascinating. They're all very different, but it takes time to put those health plans together because they're all individual. Yeah very very different needs you know a 14 year old lad who's essentially doing very well other than not growing versus a very disabled neurologically challenged seven-year-old you know it's a very you know tube fed you know it's a very very different story so it's complicated but I guess you know and that's why we have to work down hard but they do get that individual help which I think a lot of people aren't able to do Mm, absolutely we know who to send them to if we really can't (laughs) <laughs> yeah well, you know. yeah you've got a, a group of people that you can rely on to help mm. these children I'm sure and well I know you do so do you find 
because you take so much time on your plans, was that part of the reason, or maybe, I don't know, did that feed into a reason of having other aspects where you would generate some income? Uh, Because if you spend a lot of time, I know, you know, after a period of time, you know, the things that you need to put in the, in a health plan for your patients, for your clients, but still they're going to be those that take a while to, Mm. to write up. Yeah. I mean, some are very quick because you've got all that information to hand and it's not that complicated because you've written those sheets on gluten-free or whatever before or phospholipids or whatever. So, you, you know, that's easy. You can just... But there are others that take more time and it it just depends. You never really know until, you know, their health history turns up on your email box and you go, ah, okay, this one's (laughs) going to be a tricky one. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, But I love, I see it as a learning tool. And then we have this mentoring session every Friday with a team. And basically we discuss all our clients and we go through that sort of thing. So I see it as a learning tool for, you know, 14 other people. Right. Right. Rather than, and so every single thing that I do, which is above and beyond what maybe others would be able to do, or, you know, just because I, you know, you spend a bit more time on it and do more research on it, I feel that's a learning tool for everybody else. And then they've got those resources to use if they get a similar case. Mm. It's very smart. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's having a library in essence, isn't it? Uh, that's mm. available to them and and part of the the draw for people to come in and, and work with you um and nature doc and being a part of, affiliated with you i'm sure so are, are you going to continue to grow do you foresee having more practitioners coming on on board um i think we're pretty good at the moment because it has stretched me a lot because of course i do a lot of hand holding and i do a lot of individual mentoring as well with them and i also mentor a psychiatrist as well so i've got i get pulled in many directions so i think you know we're not get, if we might go up by one or two or you know things might change around a little bit but generally i sort of feel that, that we're probably in the right place especially with covid and so forth going on i just think you know um, so much is virtual now it doesn't matter where we are whereas i was quite keen to get people in individual places around the uk so that we could see people directly and that will possibly happen more later on once we really know that we can but we've only had a short window of being able to see people face to face again which i've loved i've absolutely loved but you know, we've got to be realistic for now and just assume that virtuals will be the main thrust of our business going forward. Um, and they're just, I've also spent a lot of time getting to know these people, um, my team, and um, quite a few of them I work with as they were parents of kids that needed help. Right. So I, it's hilarious. One of them, I said, well, I've been interviewing you for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> every step along the way you know it's like, oh, I really like the way she responded to that I really like her manner I really think that she's really rigorous I really like you know there's something about her that really feels right and you know and she's doing her CNM course and I'm gonna speak to her when she's finished I just think she'll be awesome Fantastic. so you know you spot these people along the way as well so I I'm not a knee-jerk person um and I'm someone who takes a lot of time to take someone else on board and they've got to be right because we all yeah we, we're just really good buddies now we're all good friends and we're That's like nice. sisters and it's really really lovely and we all all look after each other and it's important for me that's 
actually most important than being I don't want to be corporate and big I just want us to be able to serve as many support as many you know children and women as possible that need that help that they, they're not getting in other places yeah yeah and do you with your women's health I, I mean that's not primarily what you want to focus on but what are some of the 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 key things that your colleagues are wanting to deal with going forward with regards to women's health i would say that the majority of our women's work are autoimmune thyroid conditions gut issues um perimenopausal menopausal um postnatal um so i think it's actually quite hard to build a business a fertility business because and that's the sort of thing it's not really spoken much about. People are struggling, you know, couples are struggling to fall pregnant or to keep hold of a pregnancy. And actually, it's interesting, our clients, our retail clients, our online shop, um, I would say are often second time mums or, or, you know, or if we are doing fertility work, it's often they've got one child, but they're struggling to have their second. So that's sort of in the baby club already. They're in the sort of parent club already in their lives and <laughs> their brains. Yeah. Whereas when you're first pregnant, I remember this, you don't, you're in denial. You can't really believe it. Even if your tummy's growing, you still can't quite believe you're going to be a parent. And you're worried whether you're going to lose your job. If you, you know, after, after you, you know, are you able to go back? Um, I think you're worried about what happens if the baby, you know, you know it, there are problems. Mm, um, sure. I think there's also a period of time where you're thinking, gosh, I've probably got to move house and get a big car and all those kinds of things as well. So there's a priority of sort of getting your life in order rather than focusing in on on the health and it's really only my son was really struggling to have their first baby but I, I say most of the fertility work we do is probably the second or third time round, which I find you know it's just it's always been the case because at one point before I got into the whole neurodevelopmental side I was I did a lot of fertility work and I didn't get many in that were first time round. right <laughs> even then all those years ago Interesting. That's really interesting. Well, it, oh gosh, there's so many things that that uh, you know would be great to talk to you about. But I, I would like to, if you don't mind, if we talk a little bit more about all the different aspects of your business, because you've got your book, you've mm -hmm. got various practitioners that are under the umbrella of Nature Doc that you have have built strong rapport and relationship with, and then you've got your online shop where you mm. are selling products and and supplements etc was that just a, a did that just make sense to add that on or was that part of um when your husband said you we you've got to make this a business you know you've got to really do this properly this mm. is important was that all part of the grand scheme of things it was part of his plan <laughs> <laughs> i mean when i was a little girl i always wanted to be a shopkeeper um, oh, and so actually I am a sort of shopkeeper, but I call him chief shopkeeper. So my, I've married a health food shopkeeper. Um, nice. and, um, it's, we, we do a, we actually right now do it all from home and we've just booted our eldest son out of his bedroom up to the attic. He's actually at university, so he's not physically here at the moment, but he's, <laughs> his, his bedroom is now our second stock room. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> so our wow. spare room and a child's bedroom is on our stock rooms which is very exciting. And um, so, yes, my husband basically runs that, but I've obviously chosen all the supplements and all the products that we stock. So I'm sort of, 
do the research and I mean obviously I just stopped things that I absolutely loved and we want to expand that so watch out everybody we're going to be doing a practitioner scheme and we're going to be expanding our um our, our, our offerings to a more practitioner-led right. offering as well but we needed the space first and so we've done that over the last few weeks and so we'll be rolling that out so that um there will be practitioner only supplements as well so some of the big brands like biomedica and Invivo and so forth will be stocking as well which is really exciting oh um, exciting yeah, so that's that's our big sort of plan for that. Um, but we've built this fantastic retail business. Um, you know, so we do par- par- our partial prescriptions through our own shop. So what we do currently stock at the moment, so it'll be the base baselines like a probiotic or a fish oil or multivitamin or magnesium or zinc or something simple like that. But occasionally, obviously, we as as I said, we see such specialist. Kids for so many different reasons that we do need to reach out to other brands and other people to stock some of the things that we we need to prescribe. But then um, we have also, through my social media and so forth and newsletters, we've built quite a good following of of retail clients. So they tend to be what I call the yummy mummies. Um, and yeah, so it's really that whole sort of bump to teen nutrition approach um and so we're just child-friendly supplements and just the baselines that kids because what it was happening was almost every day someone at the, you know the gates of the playground or you know again email or a call from a friend or friend of a friend saying my child's not ill enough to come and see you you know but they've got this xyz what would you do and or i just want something to help with their immune system over the winter or you know or have you got a really nice natural sun cream that you'd recommend Mm -hmm. so it was all those sorts of things we thought well we might as well do it yeah um and um also focusing people on you know when people say so what if i am going to go to a healthy diet what does that really mean and i say well these you know instead of those rice cakes go for these oat cakes or those you know all these rice crackers which have got sesame seeds in so they've got some protein and fat so it was all about sort of just basically expressing some of what's been going on in my brain (laughs) into reality and a one-stop shop so people would be able to find everything they're looking for in one place and so so we started off quite cautiously because you're never quite sure it's going to happen but it's been doing very well so that's why we're expanding and we feel that there is um a lot of interest in children's and women's health now. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's not enough information around the supplementation for children and much less what can you do to help pregnant women and or moms when they're breastfeeding. So having a place that is a good resource for practitioners also is going to be invaluable because there's mm, not... Absolutely. People can get their eye in and get an idea of what mm. is safe. Mm. Yeah, they really need that sort of help and support. I know it comes up a lot on various um, WhatsApp groups or Facebook pages that I'm on, and I just see people asking those questions. So there's a lot of, there's a real lack of information out there. So you are certainly perfectly primed for it, aren't you, as the go-to? Well, I, I mean, I've heard from my practitioners who trained at CNM and I on um, that there was very little training in pediatric nutrition. You know, it was it was you know, they just touched on it, but it wasn't going very deep. Um, and also actually, you know, out of their cohorts, there weren't that many that were that interested either. They were often slightly older, who were more interested in either breast cancer or 
menopause or gut health more than children. So the emphasis isn't there. And um, and I, I'm asked a lot, where do I do a course on paediatric mm. nutrition? And actually, I don't think it exists properly yet. And that would be one of my, it's on my wish list. I'm not saying it's happening straight away because I've got a lot on my plate, but I would love to be able to do that. And I think it would be really nice to do it in person in a really nice place in London and spend, you know, three or four days together, whatever it takes bringing everyone together and actually be a bit of a network of people who are that passionate about child nutrition. Because, um, as I said, we're, you know, we're a relatively small bunch compared with, you know, the general nutritional therapy cohort. But I still feel that it'd be lovely for us all to really connect and get to know each other and just be able to share that knowledge. Um, because I certainly don't know at all. And everyone's got their specialisms and they've often got into it because one of their children's unwell. Yeah, for whatever reason. And so they've got that insight or they've done that research into, I don't know, Down syndrome or or whatever their child might be challenged with. And so you're perfectly primed for that sort of thing. Of course, I was thinking that immediately when you started saying that. I thought, well, you know, of course, you know, it'd be an ideal thing for you to provide because there is not enough of it out there. So I guess we'll watch the space then, won't we? <laughs> Really? I just need to, I, I, I've decided I don't need to turn myself into twins. I t- need to turn myself into triplets to do yeah. it. I basically yeah. need to be three people. And I do work a million miles an hour and I work very long hours and we don't really have weekends. You know, I mean, I, you know, I have the kids, so, you know, I'll go and do stuff with them. But then I know they're pretty independent now. They're a bit older. So, you, you know, they're like, oh, I don't need you. <laughs> go off and work. So I do. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do. um it would be lovely to become, you know, suddenly find two more of me and, and be able to do all these now. But, the, you know, you've got to be real. And um, but if I can say that that's on my wish list. And as I said, I'm very lucky so far. Wish lists have happened at some point further down the line. You never know quite when. Um, and, you know, I'm hoping, I'm as I said, I'm 50 this year. And gosh, if I can double that, that would be great. <laughs> so we've still got a lot more time to, to, to do all of this. Um, and um, I'd love to see children's nutrition taken more seriously just by everybody, the NHS, the government, um, just the approach. I would love to see um, c- cooking lessons come back to schools. I'd love to see this as a priority. And for people not to pander to the, you know, the food manufacturers' pockets, but to <laughs> I know, no, I know, to uh, uh, to to better nutrition globally, you know, yeah. and um, you know, I would love to do more on that level. But you know, I'm working with the Real Food Campaign, um, who are an amazing group of doctors and influencers and farmers and all sorts of people who are great I've got a meeting with them tonight so we're trying to do things with that so I feel that there are um you know there are ways and I think we all need to work together I agree I completely agree and I I think it would be amazing if we could get the government or society get the word out there more for people to just think about even just to think that actually nutrition plays such a key role in our health and well-being. And it is 
with all the stuff that's going on right now, they're at least saying we should get out and exercise and they're just starting to talk about vitamin D. But mm. you know, there's still no mention of food at all. And it's fascinating, isn't it, that people don't think about a simple thing about what they're putting in their mouths and how important that is. And it boggles the mind, really. Um, so I, I guess we could go on and talk about that forever in a day. <laughs> but it is exciting. I mean, you're making huge progress with all the different projects that you are on. And I can see that you're working crazy hours and you seem so vivacious and invigorated by it all so oh yes I am I wake up every morning you know I write my list before I go to bed of all the things I want to do the next day and yeah I just get go 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 you know and I do get distracted you know and um and I do enjoy lots of dark chocolate and lots of green tea but I, they've got sort of polyphenols and they you know so I have my vices <laughs> gosh yeah no no I get that my, I, I totally get that we all need to have something that makes us feel really really good so we can crack on um so what would you say to what would you say to practitioners to encourage them because you are amazing really and I'm not you know I'm not just saying that I'm not just saying that because the proof is there. The evidence is there. What would you say to practitioners out there? Just a bit of advice. Have you got any words of wisdom to share with people? I think the most important thing is empathy and listening to your clients and understanding what really they want as the outcome. So we always ask, you know, what do you want to achieve from this? And I think that's absolutely critical because if someone's come in and they just want their child's, I know, eczema to go away, but they've also got learning difficulties, don't start tackling the learning difficulties straight away. I mean, they probably will be helped by helping the eczema too. Cool. But help with that eczema. Do you listen to them? They'll say, well, I think it's due, I think it's milk. And they go, well, let's find out if it is milk. You know, I said no test is perfect, but let's give it a go. And you hit, listen to them. And you listen to what the parent thinks because they know their child more than any anyone else. And I think it's that taking on board mother's intuition or parent's intuition and just building a picture from there rather than coming in with some protocol that fixes everything for everybody. I think it's coming from where they're at and looking at the situation. Are they able to, what are they able to take on board at right now? Are they able to take on board diet changes? Or is that just not going to happen? You know, are they keener on supplements? Are they keener on testing and then putting interventions in? And it's really getting to know them. And I think that's really critical rather than to feel that you're going, because I'm surprised every single time. I think, oh, this is going to be an easy one. You know, look <laughs> at health history. Oh, this would be a doddle. And it's not. It, yeah. There's always a twist in the turn. It's just as they're walking out of the door too. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness well so do you that uh, that leads me to ask you are your health plans in really in depth are they long or are they short and sweet I know you say that some take you a lot longer but are they you know because some health plans I mean I know some of mine that I've put together they're so varied some are quite long it depends on the person that's sitting in front again of yeah and, we work with what they they need and want yeah because I mean, I saw a lovely lady with long COVID yesterday and she's put everything in place, you know, and she has been eating well and she does her yoga and her breathing. And 
really we're just tweaking things you know she's nearly there she just occasionally get you know it's not like she's she's really just about to turn a corner and so actually I'm I don't need to do that much for her and her house plan will be reviewing her supplements and um just a couple of other little things that we talked about um for her to do I'm going to get her to do a bit of Wim Hof Nice. The cold, cold, bar, cold showers and things like that because I think yeah. that would be really good for her but she's you know she's generally okay and so it's going to be very short nice whereas you know um working out exactly how to feed a child with 27 allergies or oh, a child that's on gosh. a gastric tube is a very different story and that takes ages because you've got to work out protein levels and all sorts of things you know it's, it's, it's complicated so yeah you just got to see each other as a sort of little project in itself yeah a mystery and a project putting the pieces yeah. together in the puzzle and an exciting journey yeah it is it is you ha- yes one has to really enjoy picking things apart and then putting them back together and see if you mm. can help the person that's sitting in front of you and I know I asked you before what would you say to practitioners uh, and that was really good I liked what you said about listening to person that's sitting in front of you what would you say to a practitioner about growing their business and Mm -hmm. just because so many people say it's hard it's difficult and I Mm, look at where you are what what would what sort of suggestions tips do you have any that you would share okay so I think you've got to work out what you want what your vision is for your business do you want to be the nutritional therapist in your area you know in your city in your town or in your village um that you see everyone locally and you know you look after everybody for everything and you're the sort of local sort of heely wheely person um and some people really love that connection they love um some people want to yeah as i said you know um do workshops and they're much more practical um Others want to be a bit more geeky like me, who's a little bit more sort of lab testy and clinicky. Um, so you've got to work out, first of all, what, how, what drives you? What really makes you happy? You know, and again, all my team work in a slightly different way. I mean, majority of us are geeky, but there are a few who are more foodie. And again, when we're allocating clients to them, you know, when I sort of get that first email coming in saying, hello, I can sort of um, work out who would be right for them because I sort of get the vibe from the email. Sometimes you don't get it right, but, you know, most of the time you do. It's just there's a way someone expresses something, you get the idea. Um, And so it's working out, you know, do you want it to be a local thing or do you want to specialise in something and you're happy to do lots of virtuals? So say you want to specialise in eczema or something like that, then, you know, build a really good Instagram account, build, you know, build a blog, write about all the different aspects of eczema, get that out there, and do virtuals, and just become the eczema specialist, brilliant, awesome, Um, and um, that's, but, you know, some people, you know, but expect to have random people from Randomsville, you know, yeah. I mean, properly, you will have people from all the way around the world, you'll have someone from Aberdeen down to John, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're, they're going to be everywhere, um, Land's End, you know, they're going to be from all over the place. Um, so you're not necessarily going to have that local connection, which might be more important to you. So I think that if it's more local, I think it's really good to network with other practitioners, whether they're nutritional therapists or homeopaths or osteopaths or physiotherapists, 
anyone who's really passionate about what you do. Because actually, I think a lot of our clients are somewhere in the health world, but they might not be nutrition. So they might be a yoga teacher, a Pilates teacher, but they've sort of got that, but they're not, that's not their main part of their work, but they're interested in well-being. And it's much easier to convert someone that's interested in well-being than someone someone who absolutely had never thought about it before in their lives, you know, because it's just not in their view. So I think it's really good to connect with as many people locally or, you know, or whoever's in your world. So with me, I was connecting with as many of the autism specialists and, you know, so forth. So, um, yeah, we sort of do that. Um, and as I said, get interested in the people that are doing the work that you want to do. Yeah. And find your tribe because yeah. our world is about the only world that we have one mission and that is to get people better or in a better place anyway, out of, you know, get them back in sync. And I find it the least competitive world in anything. I mean, I can't think, I literally know of like one clinic that do sort of actively sort of seek to almost pinch other people's clients, but I'm not going to say any names obviously, but they, I, you know, I've seen evidence of it quite frequently and it's quite aggressive, but no one else has. I mean, it literally, it was just so shocking because I had so not experienced that in 25 years. You know, the fact that I can work alongside two other nutritional therapists on one case mm-hmm. from different clinics is just amazing, you know, or an osteopath and acupuncturist or, or a, you know, a psychiatrist and an um, osteopath or whatever. It's great. And I've always seen it like that. I've just never seen it as something we, we you should never have an ego. I just think that we don't, we should know. I think one of the biggest skills is to know where you can't help yeah. and where to refer. Yeah. Yeah. Or to be able to work together with someone rather than it. And I, I don't believe that nutritional therapy can do it all. I think it can do an awful lot, but it's not everything. And there are so many different dynamics. Yeah, it doesn't really follow the naturopathic principle anyway of everything no. being connected. And it's all got to be about the, the bigger picture of how it fits in. So it, it creates that synchronicity within our system. And then the last thing I was going to say about building a business is obviously it's really hard. We're in lockdown right now. Just started lockdown two today, just to put people in perspective of where we are today. Um, and um, But, you know, let's look forward to next year and do that planning. You know, it's a great chance if you're not seeing that many clients is to work out how you're going to structure some workshops, how you're going to structure some talks. Because I think the best, best way of building clients is to go and meet them. So it's to organise a workshop and it could be in your kitchen at home just making kefir or something. It could be gut health shop workshop or it could be um, going out to a society. You know, if you're interested in, I don't know, um, rheumatoid arthritis or interested in, you know, or, or celiac or whatever, you can go meet up with those societies and go to chat to them. They often do have programmes where they're inviting outside speakers um or as i said joining up with an osteopath so i did a lovely course last year with with an osteopath i work with on women's health and i did the gut health side of things and she did the physio and the osteopathy side of it and it was just brilliant it just worked fantastically um and also not to worry how few or many people turn up either i think it was a thing that i thought had to be really big and buzzy and sort of lots of people but i'll never forget um, someone promising me at least 20 people 
So I'm like, okay. Um, and, you know, that afternoon she said, well, I think we've got five. I thought, okay. And it was an hour and a half drive and it was raining and I bought all this food to make smoothies and all sorts of stuff. You know, I'd spent quite a lot of money doing it. And I was thinking, oh, here we go. And anyway, I turned up and only four people turned up. Oh, right. Um, and it was raining outside, as I said. But all four booked in to see me. Wow. And I got all their children, their aunts, their uncles, their whole network came to see me. <laughs> so it turned into probably about 20 clients, yeah. you know. So actually, it was worth it. And so I, and I think people do like that cosy environment. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. You know, sometimes you don't think they've listened. And people take six months at least to make these decisions. The su- we find actually the people that do knee-jerk reaction, like, oh, I've got to see you tomorrow. When yeah. can I see you? They're the people they never follow through because they're knee-jerk one way, but they're knee-jerk the other way too. And um, they haven't thought it through. But those people who are prepared to think about it, consider, negotiate with a husband over <laughs> finances because it's a big thing sometimes we don't charge that much but some people do Um, but the tests add up and all of that you know people actually sort of getting around there oh you know they need to see the doctor first before they come and see us just in case it's something more serious or all these hoops and things they have to go through so it does take a long time so it's a long game and our world is set up in a really different way from other therapies so if you're an osteopath or an acupuncturist or reflexologist People are anticipating seeing you four, six, eight, ten times or once a month or whatever it might be as a sort of ongoing, you know, they also see it as a sort of beginning, you know, like a course and then probably maintenance going forward. But with nutritional therapy, people come and see you once and they're looking for advice. They're almost like, and then they think they can email you anytime and say, oh, can you find a homeopath for my dog? Or <laughs> what about my great aunt who's got piles or something? And you go, ah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, they, it's, it's funny. It's they. They see it as a sort of, yeah, a very general service. Um, I said with kids, it's slightly different. We see it as an actual, they're on a mission. But as I said, adults are often a bit more floaty about the, and they often will come once. They might come back as, you know, for the follow up, but that's it. So you're always having to market. But what happens is after a couple of years, once you've really made, everyone feel fantastic and glowy and happy and just that feeling that you've looked after them and been kind even yeah. if you haven't fixed their problem entirely you know you've done a lot to help they'll start someone will say gosh you're looking well oh yeah I saw Lucinda I saw Katie or whoever and they'll oh can I have a bit of that I want to go and do that you know and they do um or if it's a child you know suddenly oh my god they're talking so much and yeah they've developed so well what's happened um so I think that also just to just always have a long distance view on it all and not get so het up people do cancel that's the boring thing you know you think you've got you know seven people suddenly two people pull out the day before but i always see that's an opportunity to write the health plans <laughs> <You're so laughs> not to count the pennies too much i know it's very frustrating when you know sometimes it really does you know that like oh my gosh i'm not going to get that 150 pounds or whatever it is you know they're going that's really tough but they if they really want if they're going to be a good client and if they're going to follow up they will rebook and if not they're going to be wishy-washy and actually you're not going to build that proper relationship anyway so there's a reason why i always think there's a reason why someone pulls out if you know and um, sometimes it's sad you know sometimes it's they 
you know, that as I said, it's often the man in their lives goes, you don't need to do that. Or the child, you know, they're fine. They'll, they'll grow out of that. Or, you know, or someone's, you know, I don't know. But it, it's all possible. It's just, it's a long game. Well, all of it is, isn't it? Just in general for, for helping them see improvement. Sometimes you can get that really nice, quick win, but the longer term bit is just going to take a bit of time. So that's uh, patience, patience all the way around. Um, is there anything, I know it, we've been talking, I can't believe we've been talking as long as we have. And I could, mm-hmm. I've said this several times, I could go on and on, but I'm conscious of your time because I know you are a busy woman. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that, we haven't addressed right now that you might want to to mention that hasn't been talked about we've talked about your book coming out next year we've talked about your current book is there anything else that you would like to to talk about I don't think so I okay. think we've covered an awful lot yeah we have um yeah. and it's been lovely to get to know you a bit better it's been really, really lovely to get to know you too. So, well, I think for now, what I'll do is we'll say that's all for now. And then mm-hmm. we'll see what we come up with next time, because I think there is potential for other really interesting conversations going forward, because it's so exciting what you're doing. And so oh, it'd be lovely to do that. I'm so passionate. And I, if we can spread the word to as many people as possible, that would be amazing. Yeah. So that's wonderful. All right. Well, thank you so much, Lucinda. Thank you. Well, folks, that's all for today. I really appreciate your sitting in and listening in to Lucinda. I found her energy inspiring and all the things that she has achieved fantastic. And isn't it wonderful that she's so willing to share information and to be sure that we all work together as a collective. And it's more important than ever for us to gather as a group of complementary healthcare practitioners, as integrative healthcare practitioners practitioners to support each other. And although she's an incredibly busy woman, it is something that is obviously near and dear to her, as it is her desire to help children with autism and support the families as well. So then I'll be sure and provide all the links that we discussed in the show notes. You'll also see links to her social media platform so you can get in touch with her there. I would also encourage you to check out her online shop. It really is wonderful. So thank you again, Lucinda, for joining me. So then there are a couple of other things that I'd like to talk to you about. And one of them is you've got it. You've got to bounce soft to feel good. I know I keep talking about that Bellican, but it is a healthy, low impact way to enhance your well-being. The research substantiating this continues to grow every day, but it is a fabulous way for you to improve your health or for your clients. And with the winter months coming upon us in the United Kingdom, having something like a Bellican is even better because it gives you an opportunity to get exercising irrespective of the weather or the daylight. If you'd like to ask me any questions about it, I am delighted to say that I am affiliate of this wonderful company, so I'd be happy to answer any questions you might have. But there is also a link to the Bellican site in my show notes so you can go and have a snoop around on your own. I'd also like to remind you of the event that Anita Beardsley of Love Nutrition and I are hosting in March 2021. Fingers crossed it will be in person, but if not, we're going to have it online. And we are delighted to say that Dr. Alan Desmond, Dr. Elizabeth Phillips, 
sports medicine physio Claire Sinton and Dr. Caroline Gilmartin are joining us. We are going to be talking about the multifaceted effects of gut health. So be sure and watch this space. I'm really thrilled that many of them are going to be able to join me on the podcast over the next few months. So watch this space. I'd also like to say to those of you who've sent me messages, I am so grateful for the feedback. If you haven't done so already, please leave me a review and share this with other people you think might find it of benefit. And give me some feedback on who you might want to hear come on the show or any topics in particular you'd be interested in my looking into as well. I'd like to thank you again for joining me. I hope that each and every one of you are taking as good a care of yourselves as you possibly can. And until next time, here's wishing you and yours the very best of health. Bye for now.